slid back when like a child running wild in the outside you got older older hi fly Erin how are you I'm good we've been talking for about an hour now but <laughs> yeah but it's good to just you know like check in no, after that hour see how it's you're true. doing it's true you got your I'm wine okay. i love to see it i got my wine you got your beer our um, fans demand a boozy podcast which mm-hmm. is what we learned at carrie Lynch's wedding this is smell yeah. you love us by the way in case you're not familiar tuning in for the first time maybe during the coronavirus you found us during that- your unlimitless unli- free time yeah, um, we are recording off of our laptops, not with a mic, so we're going to do our best to um, speak clearly and into the computer and not move around too much, but bear with us as we are, we're just doing our best to have a fun hobby, you know? I'm staying put, I have, a, I made a bucket of beer so I wouldn't have Whoa. to move. My husband also offered to bring me refills, but I'm hoping it doesn't. If I if I have three beers during this recording, I will be it'll be too much. Well, so I think I'll not, be not according to Molly and Mike. So they say that's when we do our best. Love it. I love it. I got to meet. I've obviously met Molly. I hadn't met Mike. I got to meet Mike recently at Carrie Lynch's wedding, which is I want to say like the last fun thing I did oh. <laughs> before. We were forced to uh, say goodbye to all of our loved ones yeah. um, and stay indoors. And it was the like, looking back, I'm just so happy I had that weekend. Yeah. So this is uh, my boyfriend, Matt's sister got married in New York to Pablo, who we love so much. And um, beautiful it was, wedding. It was so nice. Just- it was so nice. It was so nice to see mm. people and celebrate love and now just kind of like look back on that I, I text Blythe the other day that Blythe and I um maybe after we recorded our last podcast had a really nice date the two of us and it was just thinking about, it was so nice. about that and I've just been cherishing a lot of memories like truly cherishing memories um but at Mike I mean at Carrie's wedding uh Mike our number one fan was so excited to meet Blythe. He he even used the phrase, they say, don't meet your heroes. So I don't know how, how this is going to go. We have a few photos. He brought that, he would say that phrase, but then he wouldn't end like, but that's not true in this case. He just kept saying like, they say don't meet your heroes. Like, Mike, you got to end that sentence. Um, you know, one way or another, I need to know, was this a good thing or no, but he was great. It was so fun. I actually really liked watching my husband who has never listened to this podcast ask mike he's like so um i gotta ask mike like uh why do you listen because uh i don't listen so and, what was the and mike was very very like i love hearing people who are passionate about things talk about them and to hear their passion and i was like damn we straight right on and i am so movies. passionate about teen movies <laughs> Teen movies, teen movies. So despite what you may think, given how these podcasts sometimes tend to meander, we actually do a quite a bit of organizational work up front. 
and have like things planned. And so we had like a whole series of episodes ready. And then we were like looking down the street and we were like, we can't do these right now. There, we were going to do a whole basketball one for March Madness. Obviously, we were going to do a New York one. That's not going to happen. So we're going to, um, but we did have this one on deck. So we're, today's episode is all about girl power movies. And luckily for us, we have quite a few to choose from. However, some of our other girl power movies, like I would argue like Lady Bird and Clueless can be considered like girl power movies. We've already covered them. There are a couple girl power movies that we're going to cover later that like yeah, some Kirsten Dunst um, movies and bring episode on. at my behest. So um, buckle up for that because yeah. that's a whole a whole vibe of girl power. So do not do not think that we pick these movies lightly. We definitely um, put a lot of thought into this episode and the movies that we landed on for one another. Are They're truly perfect 19- foils. We have um, a 1998 movie that very few people have seen, which we will get into why that is in a moment. Uh, it's called Strike or All I Want to Do. And that is two, from two, or 1998. It, it, it was given two uh, days, So that, yeah. And uh, 2006, John Tucker Must Die, which this movie must die. I hated it so much. And, uh, and then we're doing Whip It. Which, if you recall, is the Drew Barrymore uh, directorial debut of 2009, like roller derby yeah, girl. We didn't mean movie to be back to back, Ellen Page, but I'm not complaining. So, should we get into no Strike? This journey to this movie is like one of the better New York things I've ever had the opportunity to do. We talk a lot, at least Aaron and I talk a lot, about how lucky we are to live in a city where there are so you get to see any movie that comes out which i which is like a huge reason that i love living here obviously right now it's a little different but we had this amazing opportunity to see this movie in theater because we started the podcast in april so it had to have been like may or june yeah um i had heard of this movie so this movie came out in 1998 again we i didn't know very much about it until i saw it in theaters because the writer and director was there yeah and it was at Alamo, right? Alamo Draft House. They did like a special screening of it. And I can't, I don't know who organized it or why, but it was this really cool thing. And Aaron was like, look at this movie, watch Wait, the trailer. I had, like, I had never it. seen this. Like, Oh, really? No, you found it. What? And I had remember, I remember seeing this movie mm. like in my video store, but I was like, like, I remember the cover very distinctly because it, it was, like, all of, like, these 90s actresses, like, late 90s actresses that I love, like, Kirsten Dunst and Merritt Weaver and Rachel Lee Cook and Gabby Hoffman are on this cover with, like, 60s hairdos. And you're like, what is this movie about? So we got this amazing experience. It's an incredible girl it was an incredible power movie. stylized movie. It's set at this all. It's just, and it's like, we'll get into it, but it's a really big shame that this wasn't, didn't have a broad release and hasn't been seen by more people because it's an incredible film. It's a great teen girl film. Like, I cannot wait. If I have a daughter, like, I'm going to watch it with her. It's so good. And it takes place in the 60s. It's a, it's a somewhat true story. It's, I mean, it's based on the writer-director's own all-girl school that she went to. And she, it's based on her experience at this all-girls school, which is, like, for very, like, high-achieving young women who want to 
you know, one of the characters wants to go to MIT and be a, a biology slash like medical doctor. Like she has like huge dreams of becoming like a famous scientist and doctor. And one wants to be this journalist. One wants to go into politics. Like they are just having these really big dreams and they're super, super focused. And they find out that their all girls school is needs money and they're talking about having it go co-ed so they can get some more money coming in because the boys school, their like brother school has so much more money because people value like men's education so much more. And they devise this whole plot of like making this not happen by basically showing that the boys school yeah, are like Neanderthals and they like, it's um, just it, boarding school it's antics. So like it could have really fit within the boarding school episode yes. that we did. Um, but the way that the kids, the characters are developed so well, mm-hmm. it's so well written. Um, the actresses are amazing. So the re one of the reasons this movie is both so important and so like widely not known is because it was purchased by the demon himself, Harvey Weinstein. And the director talked about this at length. And she said, you know, she always wondered why Harvey bought it and then refused to promote it. She, he didn't, he didn't give it any kind of theatrical release. She paid to have it released in theaters for one week in New York. And then he just buried it. So this is a little bit of like, inside baseball but basically like obviously movies are bought by production companies and Aaron for this you can sorry you actually know options for production with a distributor attached and oftentimes they're not and so for a small movie like this I believe she made it in Canada and um she made it on her own and on a pretty scrappy budget and Harvey Weinstein came in at the end and gave gave her um some money like not a lot of money but some money like pretty good money to own the worldwide distribution rights which is um how movies get into theaters um that Blythe went on uh uh talking about how we love A24 a few episodes back and that's an example of a distribution um, company that also will, you know, produce films from the outset as well. But what the Weinstein company really got, uh, correct about the movie business was, and Miramax was, it was Miramax when he bought the, the, this, um, is that they just had really good distribution plans and marketing plans. And also because he was a bully, things got put into movie theaters and became big financial successes. So having a distributor want to put your movie places and pay to promote it um, is essentially what makes box office dollars. And Harvey Weinstein refused to do that for this movie, like full stop. And at the time, she didn't really understand why. She's like, why would you buy this movie if you if you just wanted to bury it? And she said on reflection of learning later in life about Harvey Weinstein's sexual predatory and sexual assaults um, victims and like general reputation about town. She realized that he bought it probably to get close to some of these female actresses. And, um, and when she's not sure why, whether it was because he was rebuffed by them 
Um, she knows that one of the actresses did have a meeting with him and she, she can't speak to how, or like what exactly happened, but she, she does know like that this actress, um, went in thinking that it was going to be like a very, you know, an, in a discussion about her career and she was like working on a different movie where she had to like shave her head. So she like was coming in as like, definitely not like the temptress that she had been in other movies she was like i have a shaved head i'm like not wearing makeup and she said that her career like didn't go anywhere after this meeting with harvey again not necessarily related but she definitely was like i think he bought this for the access to the young actresses and um and i she didn't say anything else but she also said that um there was a scene with chris kirsten dunce's character where she is sexually assaulted by a close friend of her family's and he cut that out of the movie he insisted that it shouldn't be in there it didn't make any sense however in watching the film you can tell that Kirsten Dunst's character has like a huge hang-up about sex and sexuality and only knowing after the fact that she had been assaulted and that was taken out of the movie does her character make sense so obviously like you can make your own conclusion about what that means but to me it means that Harvey Weinstein was like I can't have a movie about like women being sexually assaulted yeah, by older so creepy men because I don't it's like looking in a mirror <laughs> and, and right who has um, coronavirus by the way I think I don't know how Sorry. you could see this movie now because I know that there's only a few digital prints of it which is like what gets sent to the movie theaters um I think that they paid a lot of money at Alamo to get those prints to um and I think that yeah I have who knows how this will ever if it will ever see the light of day again I I would love for it to like on um there's this website called Cherry Picks. If you guys aren't familiar with it, it's great. It focuses on female-led projects in terms of screenwriters or directors. They send out a weekly email, um, but it's just, like, very female. Um, I don't even know how to say this. There are reviews of movies from a more female perspective and highlighting female led projects and it feels like strike um would be find a natural home if cherry picks ever launched into a streaming curating a streaming anything so um you know in in today's corona world everything is streaming so hopefully this finds something um it was a it was great fun it was like a great fun movie um Gabby Hoffman is so great and I could watch her do anything and find it interesting like she just takes her I think her body of work has been hilarious and great and um I also loved the 1960s styling of the film and then at the very end of the film the credits play over this song that's like some sort of sexual I forget what the what the lyrics really are but it's something about like basically gro- how gross male genitalia is and but it's like a peppy female vocals and um the Sarah the director was saying that she is actually singing on it with 
uh, her friends from her high school, one of whom is Glenn Close. And that just pretty much had us on the floor that, like, these cool people could all have all gone to high school yeah. together. <laughs> and just shows you, like, that that's the story she was trying to tell. Like, I went to high school at this beautiful, like, idyllic setting with all of these super super smart women who went on to have these amazing careers and her friends she was like some of my friends are some journalists like one was journalists others went on to be filmmakers actresses she just like threw Glenn Close out there casually she's like and you were just like oh my god this is amazing like Mm -hmm. that you know this yeah it was just really really special and she was the director was crying because she's like I haven't to have the experience of having people see this movie in theaters is something that I've wanted and it was taken from me. And you just, Aaron and I, t- I talked about this a lot at the time, but it was like, obviously when you think about things like Harvey Weinstein's impact on Hollywood, and I'm not saying like his, the th- the, the quote unquote good things he did and the, the good movies he promoted, but I mean like the, the assaults. And his added general attitude towards women and I guess people in general, because apparently he's a huge asshole to everyone. He ruined lives. Yeah. And I don't mean just by like literally ruined lives through his yeah. crimes. He ruined careers just because he could, because he had this power trip or because he felt threatened by powerful women. And this woman, she's gone on to like write some movies. She wrote What Lies Beneath. She does a lot of documentary work. But she could have had a totally different career, but for him buying this movie and then burying it. So I just think that that's an unfortunate byproduct of one individual and his what he can do to, and you know, it's just sucks because this movie. I just feel like it, you robbed it. He robbed a lot of people from seeing an incredible film. It's interesting because I think in a lot of ways this movie was extremely ahead of its time because we see movies that have come out now that feel much more in line with this or I wouldn't even say movies but TV shows, things like that. Um, Whereas I guess this is a good segue into a movie that came out seven years later that was, uh, I saw in theaters, John Tucker Must Die. I saw it in theaters. I was probably like 15, 16 when this came out. Blythe, you had some hot takes on John Tucker Must Die. You watched it a few days before I got around to watching it, which uh, I can't say made me look forward to spending $3 to rent it. Yeah, so I had never seen it before, so I was, and it's been on my list of, like, again, I love teen movies, so I've always been curious about it, like, okay, directed by a woman, (laughs) so, like, you know, that's, I was kind of expecting it to not be so terrible, um, 2000, 2000, like, I was ready for some questionable fashion and some, like, PTSD about my own fashion choices, um, Brittany, it has a good cast like Brittany Snow, Sophia Bush, Ashanti. You know, like I'm here for all of those women. I think they're all, I mean, Ashanti uh, hasn't been in a lot of movies since, and I think I know why. She's not very good in it. But uh, I, this movie was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I actually couldn't finish it. I'm. It was terrible. I just I couldn't finish it. I turned. I was like, I. This is actually making me dumber. The longer that I watched this, especially, and I think because we, I knew going into it that this was going to be on our like girl power episode. I was like, 
this is taking women's rights like so far back. Well, I can tell you how it ends if you like. Okay, so the short, short, and short story here is that so John Tucker of John Tucker Must Die is like a high school big man on campus. Jesse Metcalf. Yeah, Jesse Metcalf. So anyways, he is dating four girls at his high school at the same time. And the premise of the movie is that none of them know about it because they're all in disparate cliques. So they never talk to each other. And he also tells them that he can't date during basketball season. He's like a big basketball player. So they have to keep it under wraps, like just keep it between them. But Brittany Snow plays film's protagonist and she works at the restaurant where he brings all of his dates so she sees him with a different girl every friday night correct this makes zero sense like in no there is just it's 2006 it's implausible people don't know that he's dating multiple people no that that is insane i don't care how big your high school is like you know it's it's not a university campus like you see people in the hall so eventually, Kate, played by Brittany Snow, no. gets all the girls together. It's like a poor man. And is like, he's cheating on you with all of these other girls. And then these, oh my God, Catherine Heigl's in it, isn't she? Yeah. Who played? Poor man, Catherine Heigl, right. Um, oh yeah, Arielle <laughs> Cabell. She looks, she reminds me so much of Catherine Heigl. So I'm just going to call her Catherine Heigl. Um, she, she um she's like the type so a go-getter she's yeah. like the i'm gonna be a like katie Couric. ashanti's uh, like the head socially Sophia bush plays this like vegan yeah and then Brittany snow plays as she she describes herself as like the invisible girl she's like nobody ever looks at me if you like play you know the <laughs> game boggle where you like have you ever played the game boggle and you just like have pieces and you got to make words out of them. It's like they just took a bunch of actors that were peaking and put them in a boggle. And then this yeah. is the movie that came out because also like Tim Riggins has a quick cameo. In the movie. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh so they, they and, um, these to plays, uh, John Tucker the, to make him fall, brother to make John Tucker fall in love with like the worst haircut and ever. then dramatically break his heart at his birthday um, party, which was like. Uh, this huge, outrageous birthday party that just also would never happen in high school. And it's fine, but like, and I can suspend disbelief for that if it's a good movie. But this is just, oh my god, this movie is so bad. I took very, very few much. notes on this movie, but I'm just gonna pull them up. I have Riggin sighting as my number one note. It's highlighted. It's like very exciting. Um, and then I have Penn Badgley's trying to be Heath Ledger in Ten Things I Hate About You. And then I said, this is an anti-girl power movie that suggests estrogen makes you overly yeah, sensitive no, and unable much to it. So the, basic the movie, It's a slut-shaming, kind of toxic masculinity. rests um, on the fact that women really yeah, only oh, ever come together oh, to take men right. down or if they've been wronged by men. Um, and even in so coming together, they still refer to one another as, like, sluts and hoes. And it was, I cannot recommend it anyways it ends with like john tucker being like i'm just gonna date openly many people at once and britain no 
And Brittany's now like finding, she's like, and then I found myself. And it's like with like my new friends. And it's like, do these girls have nothing in common? <sighs> Not a fan. <laughs> it, especially because like, I just like not again everyone goes to strike but like strike is such a fun like romp movie of like women getting together to like take down this like all boys school this movie just does not have complex emotions and it doesn't even have emotions other than like this movie doesn't have emotions it just has feelings feelings of like rage resentment um yeah cannot recommend no sorry and I mean, there it, again, girl power movie in the sense that it's like a strong female cast. Yeah. Um. So then I watched Whip It, uh, which came out in two thousand nine. Right, exactly. It oh. is so fun. It could stand a. It's not even necessarily a teen movie. The main character is a teenager, but I don't like. I think it could stand as a full movie. It's not a teen. It's not a teen movie. It's like oh, a full sorry. girl power movie. Um, it's directed by Drew Barrymore, who hasn't directed anything since, which is weird because this is a really good movie. And it got pretty good, like, um, it was well received. And you can tell that Drew Barrymore had a blast making it. And um the screenplay was written by a woman who was act was a roller derby diva at one point as well. So um it's got it's basically about this girl um, played by Ellen Page. Her name is like, she has a weird name. What is it? Bliss. Yeah. So she, she lives in Texas in like a rural Texas town. And the big kind of currency there is pageants, oh, like um, female pageants. Bliss? Her mom is played by... Um, her mom is played by Marcia Gay Harden, who's really into pageants, and even though she's, like, uh, like, their family is very working class, and, like, they sacrifice a lot for these, her, for her daughters to be in these pageants, um, and Bliss could really care less. She has a really good friend, um, played by Alia Shawkat, who we love, um, and they definitely like understand each other. They work at a diner together. And um, long story short, she ends up going to Austin, Texas with her mom to like run an errand and finds out about these roller derby girls and then starts sneaking out to go to roll the roller derby. Um, it that the first scene where she first goes to the to the roller derby. Um, I think is one of the better age scenes of movies that I've ever seen. And the reason is because the entire scene is, um, it's almost as it, it was, it's filmed like it's a live sporting event almost like they did a really great job capturing what watching live sports feels like. And so the, it gets really dark and there's all this kind of like ambient, like, buzz of the crowd and you keep seeing Ellen Page's kind of reaction but then it really leaves her and starts introducing mm -hmm. these roller derby personas and, and athletes but the thing that is incredible is there's this voiceover of someone who you don't see their face and you just hear their voice and it's an incredibly familiar voice and it takes you a minute to place it 
is Jimmy Fallon. And so the fact that Jimmy Fallon, now the host of The Tonight Show, is this um, roller derby MC announcer is just like, one, so special because Drew Barrymore and Jimmy Fallon are great friends. Two, so special because it's just like, it pumps up the energy in such a way that you're like, all right, I want to see how roller derby goes. And so on the roller derby teams, um, so the Holy Rollers are led by the, the Holy Rollers are like the number one team and they're so good oh, geez. and they're Jeez. mean oh. and um, yeah, they are led yeah, by Juliette Julia Lewis, Lewis, who is just, Lewis. I know, I, I presume Juliette Lewis is like a nice person in real life and, but this, this character just feels so innate to, to like her vibe is this like badass roller derby chick. And then the um, Hurl Scouts are the team that Bliss ends up trying out for and playing for. And on that team is um, Drew Barrymore, Kristen Wiig, and Eve. So she she ends up um, finding this new life that brings out all of these qualities in herself that she... Didn't have a, a space to embrace, and it gives her something riders. to work really hard for, and she does work really hard. Um, it gives her community. She is lying about her age to be in it, and she ends up having this, like, you know, pretty harmless love affair that, like, goes south by the end of the movie. But you ultimately, froze. when you look at Whip It no. compared to... um other girl power movie is it's great because it's about these women who are just Uh-oh. being unabashedly Uh-oh. aggressive about their interests their interests being this high contact ridiculous sport that's like violent but theatrical and requires like you to know what you're really good at so that you can like use that to win the derbies. Um, I think that that is a great message for all about the power of team sports. But with this, it's just like, and it's fun. And like, there's a food type. And like, it's just, it's a fun teen movie. It's also, um, I watched it like just, I think like either the weekend, it was like right before the quarantine started happening and like sports were shutting down. Like I was still was going to work, but sports had already like the NBA had already suspended its season. I know that yeah. I can't go to a roller derby match right now, but I can watch a very well filmed version of one. Shall we get on to some uh, superlatives? Yeah. Well, I guess I will just start by saying like in terms of girl power, I definitely think Whip It and Strike are amazing girl power movies. And, like, they are very exemplary of how much fun, like, women and girls, like, high school girls, obviously, this is a teen movie podcast, like, the fun they have together. Like, I loved being on, like, I like, I'm on most, I'm on all co-ed sports teams and I have so much fun with them. But there is something very special about, like, an all-girls. Very special. So, you know, obviously, um, which so that was also very, yeah, it was just, it's just really fun, um, to see movies that are specifically about women and like women's organized 
sports or theatrics or whatever you want it like to do. It's just really fun. And so we're trying to, we tried to pick superlatives that were like theme based on like those themes. So we said, um, the best girl group. I think that you have to give it to the women of Strike because they were just, not only did they like go on to do like amazing things, both like, it's obviously they're fictional characters, but they're based on real people. Um, they were just fucking spitfires. They were just like, like took over the world. They had so much ambition and fervor and excitement and they were so intellectually curious and funny and I was just like, I want to hang out with all of these women right now. I want them, to, I want to be best friends with all of them. is like when Skechers was selling shoes that were advertised to give you a bigger butt. Well, I hate to say it, even like, more recently, remember when Doritos you know I mean? said that they I were going like, to make this a, is... a crunchless shit for like, women? Oh, we finally have tapped into this incredible that? That really um, purchasing power and, like, known Pepsi-Co as women. Had to, like, had and like now a, we're going to tell things to them. How do we sell these shoes? We'll tell them we'll give them a bigger ass. And like, what is going on? And it was like, women want to enjoy chips without the stigma. And I was like, and everyone was like, the stigma of eating a chip? Are you kidding? Oh my god. And it's like, maybe I love the, ch- the crunch. Maybe that's my favorite thing. So it was like the... <laughs> so they are trying to create a chip that was like the Harry Potter they sell for adults with like the ambiguous cover so that you can't, if you're on a plane Ooh. reading Harry Potter, like people don't know. Look at you. <laughs> Mine have never been incredibly elaborate. I put literally toasted cheese. Have been making some dope sandwiches lately, and the best part is the crunchy chips I put on them. So every time I bite into it, I get that really satisfying crunch. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of my meals during this time have been incredibly elaborate. I um, I've been eating a lot of quesadillas, and I was feeling a little self conscious, but then I saw I get a like New York Times newsletter that was like right now like it's okay to be eating a lot of quesadillas but then I saw that it was the New York Times parenting newsletter and it was about it being okay I mean, for your mind um right now Julia Child's first season of her cooking show is available on Amazon Prime for some reason it's only available until April 1st and I'm so, it's I'm so glad I know we're getting this. off topic here and Aaron please feel free to edit this out oh yeah are we gonna do anything that we usually do <laughs> um it was a big topic I think that the least true <laughs> teen life moment in John Tucker Must Die is um, the fact that like chat. they go to party and then there's just like they a casual like, full we have, we parking have, like, lot of underage bars like driving home like that just feels like something that like is lazy writing that just that's not a thing and also once you get rid of that you, you can get so much more creative in where the story goes so um that's my most true to life and i think my most true to life is and this obviously what is way more intense in um strike than like in my real life but all of the girls kind of have some real problems that the other friends kind of like rally around and then they move on and i think that type of that not not even like true to teen life moment but that writing in terms of like when your friend has got an ongoing problem or a very acute problem the way that friendships can kind of just like 
pivot and focus on that person and then 20 minutes later be like laughing about something else like that's a very true to female friendship vibe so I loved that yeah I would definitely say the female friendships and strike were very felt very honest and very authentic and for that reason and also just like I don't know. They're the oh, closeness. Yeah. Three, three like, girls. They in, like, exemplified the like physical closeness. Like obviously, it's set in, in a um, boarding school, so they're like living together and sleeping together. But it just like reminded me so much about like how many of my female friendships were like physical, like sleepovers, it's like sleeping like in the like, same bed, and like how it, like to dedicate that, to it. Like, um but it's just like one of the, the things that it made me miss like my female friends like from high school um because I just remember I like literally like lived at my friend Alyssa's for like weeks at a time I would like literally like share her bed and shower at her place and like go to school with her and her mom would like make me breakfast and it was like totally wonderful and like yeah. normal and yeah it was great um but in the least true to life, I just think, like, I don't know. I mean, Ellen Page, like, literally having to go to take the bus to another town to, like, be in the like, so her best thought. I mean, she that did get little, saved by like, Kristen Bell tough. a few times. Um, we have, as Blythe mentioned, we had a, a plan. And I'm not to pat myself on the back, but I knew that suggesting this topic would give my creative partner um joy and happiness so well she was like we can't do basketball we can't do what if we do dystopian teens and I was like we're not doing dystopian teens <laughs> so we're going to do body swapping Erin could tell that I'm going to boost <laughs> literally my favorite movie genre like not just teen I will any I have seen every yeah, body totally. swap movie there is I love it it's so yes I know I know Aaron's giving me a look like why are we friends um we hope to be back next week doing this same thing maybe our audio will be better maybe it'll yeah. be worse so yeah, sorry but, but, um, which is ironic thanks for spending time indulging yeah. our um yeah and on that note um Bye. Subscribe. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know. Woohoo. Yes.